I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. fans it is another brand new episode of the lookout landing podcast just for you uh if you're listening to this that is right it was made specifically for you tailor-made episode for each individual listener they said it couldn't be done we found a way to do it anyway so um your your listenership means the world to us and uh this is the present that we've gotten for you today it is me and kate no john john is off doing john things um but the team is the team is still strong. We're here. We're delivering you the content you deserve. It's me, Matthew Robertson, staff writer, podcast host at Lookout Landing. Find me on Twitter at mrobertson22, and Kate Pruser is on the other line on Twitter at Kate Pruser and all all over LookoutLanding.com. Uh, Kate, sup? Hello. How are you? I am alive. Mm-hmm. I uh, remember you know, we're normalizing saying I'm doing bad. Because that is a totally valid response. So I know no I do pressure. miss. <laughs> I do miss when this part of the show was like us actually talking about things we were doing or like what's been going on in our life. Because <laughs> our lives were so tiny. I know. And now it's just like y'all ever noticed that tree outside your window? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's yes. I I, uh, I sneezed pretty hard earlier. Is that anything? Ooh, is that something ooh. the listeners want to know about? Mm. Mm. 
I am being tortured right now because I have a song stuck in my head and I don't, I think it's just that like without people to talk to and without like kind of the general chatter that goes on, you know, in a world where you're not shut inside your house all the time, my brain has decided to like fill the silence. Like it's vamping for time. Like we're just going to make some noise until our regularly scheduled programming is back. So I get this worst song stuck in my head just all the time and it's been a loop of various terrible songs and I think my brain is running out of material because today it's been I like to eat 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 oh yeah apples and bananas and like once that starts going it just and with all the vowels and you just repeat it and repeat it it has been and I don't say this lightly a hellscape in my brain today and I'm trying I don't usually actively try to get rid of an earworm because I feel like if you pay attention to it it makes it worse uh you just gotta let it run its course but this one I'd have no idea how this song got stuck in my head I never sang it as a kid I didn't go to camp I don't have a kid I have a very like child free existence so it wasn't in a tv show I saw or anything I have no idea what it's doing there but it's just eat 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 over and over and over again uh it's driving me nuts that song does go hard though if you ever want to like turn a preschool out (laughs) put that song on (laughs) you want to turn a preschool up i because i remember that that to me like i did sing that in school we definitely were taught that in preschool maybe kindergarten as like a way to learn the vowel sounds so that was like a very specific memory thank you for that you're welcome. I'm glad it's bringing some joy to someone. You know what's been happening to me? This actually might be, I don't know if this is a me thing or if this is maybe universal. Uh, I have been getting tweets stuck in my head. Has that ever happened to you? Yes. Like just like the phrasing of a certain tweet <laughs> gets stuck yes. in your head. Or like someone will say something particularly funny in our Slack channel or like just like a combination of words that I think is funny. And I'll just re- repeat that in my head over and over and over. I think that's kind of a bit of like a a stand-in or like a substitute for actual conversation like now the things people say online are like my inner monologue which is <laughs> concerning it is it is i think it is very uh much a symptom of how internet poisoned my brain is that like literal whole tweets get stuck in there um and then just fragments too like go burr which i guess is more of like a meme than a tweet yeah. uh <clears throat> yes, all just all all the time. Can't see the word dog without saying it doge like just just a constant. Yeah, a constant constant stream of that. I like I I think that's a good point though that it's like what we consume online is taking place of uh at the actual human conversations we would have been having. So, I guess everybody be real careful about <laughs> what you're inputting, what you're programming yourself with right now. Yeah, so we're doing great. If you're struggling, I cannot relate at all. (laughs) I've never been better. Everything in my brain is firing on all cylinders. And uh, I'm probably getting smarter, stronger, and happier. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. Congratulations to me and me only. (laughs) Well, uh, thank God for the Seattle Mariners, frankly, because they gave us... Some some little nuggets. They did some a things thing. To talk they about. did a couple things. They did. We haven't recorded in a while because they weren't doing anything. So we had, yeah. we had nothing to talk about. I know. Yeah. To pull the curtain back for the listeners, we have been on a pretty regular schedule, which we're proud of, and you know we do that for you, episode a week, 
pretty much, but we record them, you know, before they actually come out. It's like the Taylor Trammell interview was our last episode, but we recorded that like four or five days before we put it out. So it has been a long time since we've actually sat down and talked to each other. And since the last time we spoke, the Mariners added Ken Giles and James Paxton, two names that like casual baseball fans would know, like people who aren't just like Mariners figures. You yeah, know what I mean? No, a like, lot of times we do get excited about stuff like that. Actual like gotten, baseball players. Yeah. Like I know maybe cover your ears for this part, Kate, but like if they had gotten Brad Miller, a certain segment of Mariner fans would be like, yay, Brad Miller. We remember him because he was on the Mariners. And everyone else would be like, who, what is that? Why are Mariners fans flooding my timeline with like excited <laughs> tweets about this guy how who played center for the Kings? How annoying do you think Mariners fans are to like the general baseball? Like how annoying do you think they think we are? I do wonder about that because that is a good question. I think for the most part, we, we being Mariners Twitter, Mariners fans in general are like the, the harmless little sibling. Um, I feel like we've seen kind of like a, maybe a peek into what things will be like if the Mariners become good, which unfortunately is Seahawks Twitter, one of the worst <laughs> places in the entire world. Uh, the reason why I don't really share opinions about the Seahawks publicly is because I hate Seahawks Twitter. <laughs> but I don't think it's people hate place. Mariners fans. No, no. It is I, a really scary place. It, I mean, hating Mariners fans is like the ultimate punching down, right? Like there is very, there are very few fan bases that have suffered more than Mariners fan. And everyone knows right. it. Like they've been around long enough that even while being kind of on the fringes, we've, our suffering at least is mainstream. So. I, and I do think that that helps the content. Like when I think of like, Mariner, uh, I think of like fan bases of bad teams like the Mariners Rockies fans are pretty like funny on Twitter uh, I follow a lot of White Sox fans I know they're good now but they were bad for so long like it definitely helps you develop like a voice and a personality when your team is bad absolutely and I think it's definitely part of the reason why uh, Mariners fans specifically have contributed so much in the baseball writing world people are always when I talk to people from other from around baseball who are not Seattle fans they're like why are why do why are Mariners fans so overrepresented in the and I'm like because we are over speaking very broadly like overeducated and under uh satisfied under under winning under successful I don't know what whatever weird combination yeah. it is that makes that alchemy um, no, it makes sense. It's like how there's so many great songs about unrequited love. It's kind of the <laughs> same idea. Yes, yeah. Or what they used to tell me in the in teaching was because I'd be like, there are all these case studies of like people being successful. I was teaching in inner city Philadelphia. I was not being successful. I was like, where are all the, the these other stories? And they're like, oh, n nobody talks about the bad days. But I think that in most art, it's exactly the opposite you only talk about the bad days no one talks about the like just good normal days because that's not a story right yeah a story exactly. starts with a wound and mariners are fans are more wounded than anyone else out there 
Right, right, right. It's like how you don't ever think about like the Reds, you know, like they're just kind of floating in the middle. There's not like great days to speak of or terrible days to speak of. They're just the Reds, you know. They, they, I, yeah, I don't know. They are. I was doing. Uh, I blurb the. This is actual baseball content. We can talk about this briefly before we get into the signings. Um, obviously, we have a whole Mariners minor leagues pod that you should listen to. That is dropping. Uh, will drop maybe shortly after this one, I think, uh, where we kind of talk about the top 30 prospects in the system. Obviously, it's prospect ranking system season. Fangraphs came out with theirs today. There are six Mariners in the top 100, which is more than I <laughs> more than have been there since I started covering this for sure. Um, not a lot of Reds. Uh, and not a lot of anyone. So that that's what links into what you were saying, Matthew. I think that that franchise might be headed for a bit of a rough patch. Um, whereas the Mariners are, uh, from all these metrics, ascending. Um, especially considering the rest of the AL West. Houston had one prospect in the top 100. The Angels had two. One of whom is Brandon Marsh, who's going to graduate off that list this year. Um, Texas had none. They had some just outside the top 100. Um, and Oakland had one, and it was A.J. Puck, which is, uh, he's somebody who's had a lot of injury problems, and he's MLB adjacent. So definitely, I think, out of the AL West, I would say pretty clearly Seattle's farm system is in the best shape of the AL West. I think it's the class of the AL West. And looks to be... Um, you know, something that's going to regenerate down the road, too. Uh, Oakland has always Oakland always has a lot of prospects that they seem to get lucky on, but they've been picking outside of the top 100 or outside of the top 10, we'll say, for so long, top 15 even. Uh, and then they have the Kyler Murray issue uh, where they basically lost a first-round pick. The Astros system is really thin they're going to be moving into a phase of rebuilding that system pretty soon um if they're not there now it, it's just it's it it's really hard i i think you could make an argument for the rangers maybe make an argument for the angels and we'll be talking about all of this when we do our aos threat assessments which is kind of like a little bit of a spin on the dead spin why your team sucks i guess it's not dead spin anymore r.i.p that but um we'll be doing overviews of all these teams over the next coming weeks as we kind of gear up for spring training but yeah the mariners are uh if the farm system clicks which obviously is a big if um but it would it definitely looks like we are a team on the upswing yeah angels suck astro sucks oakland you're cool texas whatever (laughs) (laughs) you suck you suck you're cool uh, that's my official stance. I've been whatever on Texas since their like early 2010s run where they were playing in the World Series. Like ever since then, they've just gone downhill, and I'm like, I don't really care about y'all anymore. All of my anger shifted towards Anaheim and Houston completely. Yeah, I think that uh, the Angels had a real heel turn off season where you have the Keenan Middleton, and we can talk about that too. You have the Keenan Middleton split. Uh, with some fans being pretty salty, and he is pretty salty right back. So we've got a fun little built-in rivalry there. But uh, also acquiring Kurt Suzuki uh, and uh, just kind of leaning into being 
a certain type of team with a certain type of player, I guess I'll say. Shitbirds, I believe is what they call them. <laughs> uh, Rendon, same thing. Uh, and then, you know, they haven't fired Mickey Calloway yet, despite some pretty credible accusations of... Uh, of Sec- what do we? What would you call it? Like sexual I mean, harassment? Do- I guess documented sexual <laughs> yes, harassment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I. I don't know why it's taking them so long to act on that, but yeah, just a, a real, real stinker of a of an off season from the Angels. So they have may either tied with or vaulted slightly above the Astros for me in uh in my personal disliking rankings. Yeah, which leads us nicely into a conversation actually about, you know, the Astros, the stench of the Astros making their way to Seattle because now the Mariners have Ken Giles, <laughs> a f- former former Astro. Oh, who, nice segue. Thank you. But I was going to say, for those who don't know, because I didn't actually know this until the Mariners signed him, he has been pretty outspoken against the Astros, went as far as offering to give his World Series ring back, which is something, you know, like he definitely was involved you know like it's hard to be like oh my god i'm so mad now when like you already did the thing (laughs) you were already playing (laughs) for that team and already cheated to the world series and then now to be like oh we got caught i'm so sorry that's like you know a whole other conversation that's kind of weak but he does at least publicly seem remorseful which is kind of better than most astros can say um but he's on the seattle mariners now and the other thing about ken giles a lot of people will remember Yes, he is the guy who punched himself in the face while he was leaving the field. But he's also been, like, really good. Like, there's no really way around it. Um, Looking at a tweet here from Cespedes Family Barbecue, they posted this when the Mariners signed Ken Giles. He has the fourth highest war and fourth lowest FIP among all relievers from 2014 to 2019. So that's six seasons where he was, like, one of the best relievers in the world then 2020 is a shortened season and he got injured so we're not going to see him until 2022 which is kind of a bummer but also you can see the thinking there from jerry depoto like okay if we're going to add a reliever let's add one that can help us in 2022 when we think we're actually going to be good rather than this year when they might just kind of be okay so i i personally like this signing i was confused at first but then when i started thinking critically about it i was like this does make sense like i'm not against it for sure they didn't like overpay or do anything crazy um what was your reaction when you heard that the mariners had signed ken giles hysterical laughter i mean just because like we've been we had been sitting and begging and begging for some kind of a move and uh then they made a move and it was somebody who can't help the team in 2021 so that initially i was like annoyed and it sort of fit in with something that i've been saying all along which is that the failure of the Mariners offseason has been one of communication. Like, I feel like they tried to have it both ways with fans. They tried to say, we're going to compete in 2021 while not spending any money to back that up, uh, not actively making the 2021 team any better. Obviously, that changes later on. Put a pin in that for now. Um, but, yeah, if they had just come out and said, like, we like our young guys. We want to give them a chance to play. We're going to make minimal upgrades. And that had been the message from day one. I think people would have been much less bellyachy. And like, even me, it took me a while to get past being annoyed that the big signing that they had made 
was somebody who wasn't going to help the team in 2021 and going and looking at Ken Giles' StatCast page, which is, for 2019, incredible looking. I mean, it's it's all red, like 95th percentile in expected slugging, which somehow he gave up a lot of barrels, so I don't know what exactly is going on with that. Uh, doesn't allow hard hit balls. 99th percentile for strikeout percentage, like... Uh, just not giving up a lot of hard contact, striking a ton of guys out, 94th percentile for fastball velocity. We'll see how that comes back post-Tommy John, which is obviously, you know, kind of a mm, a pig in a poke, you might say. You never know exactly what's going to come out on the other end of Tommy John, but uh, guys generally do throw as hard and some even harder than before they had the surgery, so we'll just see. Um, and DePoto has made... It very clear he's not afraid to sign a reliever who's had Tommy John. I mean, Middleton had Tommy John. Munoz had Tommy John. They acquired in trade. Um, yeah, they're just, they're not afraid of a, of a TJ surgery or even two. So I feel confident. Oops, sorry. That's my phone blowing up and I don't know why. Answer it. Answer it on <laughs> No, end. I'm not going to. I can tell from the number it's like a spam call. Sorry. And it's Ken Giles. Uh, very excited about the signing, excited about the upside. Uh, this might tie into something we're going to talk about a little later, but a certain uh, sports radio personality in Seattle who covered the Astros at the time was vehemently against the Ken Giles, against the signing, like thinks it's a terrible signing. And I just think that is such a bizarre and wrong take uh because Giles yes okay Ken Giles melted down in the postseason for the Astros uh he was not good in the he was very very good and then he was not good um yeah lost his closer job during the playoffs I believe that's when they ended up going to Roberto name redacted yes yeah I mean when the Astros decided to just absolutely tell us who they were and traded Giles (laughs) for Osuna like going to say the quiet parts loud now. Um, but, it, I mean, he had been strong up to that point. It was just like, so, again, and then you get the face punching and all of that. And uh, I just, to me, that says so much more about the Astros and their culture. And then that kind of fits in with what Giles said after he left. Like he said, he felt like he lost himself. Like he wasn't who he was. Um, so I think that that is a probable example of a good pitcher who just mentally, and he's not the only Astros pitcher who's going through that. I mean, their top prospect, Forrest Whitley, uh, fan graphs on that top hundred prospects knocked him all the way off to one Oh six, which I think is like a little over dramatic. Uh, Keith law has him at 29. So if you want to see like what the general industry perception of, but the, the whisperings I've heard about Whitley, are that just mentally he's he's it's not the talent it's it's his headspace so whatever they're doing with the Astros for all the gains that they're making on field I think that uh, just environmentally it seems to be a really toxic environment uh, and has been and so I'm really excited to see Giles Giles was very good with Toronto before getting hurt uh you know, look to be on the upswing there. So yeah, maybe it's just, just a case of getting him the heck out of Houston. 
Yeah, I just want to uh, I want to highlight the 2017 numbers you were talking about. In the regular season, he was very good. Like you said, he was their closer. 34 saves, 2.39 FIP, 1.037 whip, 83 strikeouts to only 21 walks. And then, yeah, the postseason was bad. He finished the postseason uh, across the three series the Astros played. So against Boston, New York, and the Dodgers combined, he finished with an 11.74 ERA. <laughs> 10 oh, no. earned runs. Oh, no, Ken. Yeah, t- 10 earned runs in just 7.2 innings. Oh, no, baby. Uh, a home, oh, no, a baby. home run a home run allowed in every series. Oh, no, The baby. exact thing you don't want from your closer. Oh, no, And baby. yet they still won the World Series because they were cheating. <laughs> but it's not important. Not why we're here. Just wanted to highlight um, that he did. He can be very A to Z, which is, you know, scary with relievers. You want them to be more A to F, A to G if they are going to struggle. <laughs> you know, you never want to go all the way to Z. But um, I like it's pretty much all upside too is the other thing. Like if he's bad, it's not going to like torpedo the franchise. You know what I mean? Like right. It's not like they gave all of their money or all of their resources to Ken Giles. Right. Um, so it's it's hard. Like like you were saying about talk radio people and just sort of the hot takesmen out there. It's hard to get like riled up about this. Like if anything, it's like a mild signing that could you know, like level up to being pretty good or okay. But yeah, if he's really, really, really bad, we're still in fine shape because we have, you know, a decent crop of young relievers. Some of the pitching prospects inevitably probably will become relievers. And like, that's fine. You know, you're not going to hit on all of them, but there are ones where you can take a chance. And I think that's exactly what short deals for bullpen guys are. Absolutely. And you're seeing this more and more as a trend where teams are signing guys and just eating their one year of TJ recovery with the idea that they're going to get production uh, at a below market rate in that next year. Uh, and then it's a good deal for the reliever as well, or for the pitcher who gets to be in a team sponsored facility while they're working out and rehabbing uh, gets to be under the guidance of team doctors and has some financial security. So it's really kind of a win-win um, even though I am loath to reward MLB owners for making cheap moves. Uh, but it, it is definitely, like you said, a way to, to get potentially somebody who could be a really, really, if you pick well, uh, you know, a potential closer for cheap, which would be incredible. And the Mariners have plenty of options. I mean, that's what I really like is like, you have Munoz coming back from TJ surgery. Uh, there's some prospect heap down there. You have Middleton as a signing. Like, there are a lot of guys who could be closer guys. Oh, oh, Montero, who they traded for from the Rangers. So, uh, some some exciting stuff in there. Um, and also, just to cap off the Ken Giles talk, I hated facing Ken Giles as an Astro because when he came in. I was like, well, that's it. The game is over. Uh, I was really surprised looking back and seeing that he was his tenure is not fondly remembered in Houston. And again, it just talks about it speaks to how big playoff uh, performances play a role in how people remember you. We wouldn't know much about that being Mariners <laughs> fans. But my memory of Ken Giles is him just bowling down <laughs> Mariners hitters between 2016-2017. Um, and I looked it up, and he had 
16.1 career innings against the Mariners as an Astro. Guess how many Mariners he struck out in that time? In his... Uh, 31. 32. <laughs> Did you see the tweet? Wow. <laughs> Or is I that did not just see a the guess? tweet. I wow. was no, that was just guessing a big number. Yep, very, very, very good guess. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's Ken Giles. Uh, I'm happy to have him on board, and even happier if he's willing to like get involved in some Astros trash talking. Oh yeah, I didn't even right? think about that. I feel like they've been pretty reluctant to do that, but maybe as more time passes, they'll feel more comfortable airing them out. Well, I think if you have uh, Middleton in there being totally willing to trash talk the Angels, which so far he has been, he has posted some spicy things to his Instagram. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent recommend him as a follow. Um, definitely had some harsh words about the Angels coaching. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this AL West Revenge Tour out of the bullpen. I think it's going to be fun. I agree. And should have, just to put a bow on this, last full season that Ken Giles pitched in 2019 as the Blue Jays' closer was very, very good. ERA under two, whip exactly 1.00, uh, 23 saves if you're into that, 83 strikeouts to 17 walks. Like The talent is certainly there. Now it's just a question of what will tommy john due to this guy's arm and he's still i mean he's 29 right now or maybe just turned 30 so like there's a lot of things to like here and if you don't like it uh i don't really know what to tell you like i understand that there is a whole subset of mariner fans that we're never going to be able to please you know the ones who are just upset all the time and like see any move as a reason to trash the organization like we saw that when they literally signed Robinson Cano and Nelson Cruz people are like oh god here we go again and like that was yeah the best moves they've made probably of my entire life so I, I relax everyone <laughs> for sure there's a segment of Mariners fans that won't be happy no matter what but and there's definitely it it's weird to see a prospect blowback thing, where people are like essentially like the baby Mariners ain't played nobody which of course they haven't they're prospects um but would you rather have highly regarded prospects or not? I don't, I don't understand. Like that's how you build a team that sustains winning. That's how you build a team that doesn't have to rely on just free agency signings and filling holes year after year and um, trades like you build from within. So I don't, I don't understand the pushback against that. Uh, I don't, I do understand the frustration with them not spending money at the major league level. Uh, again, I think it's a failure of communication, but I feel like we've all had to walk some things back because they did open the pocketbooks um, and acquire James Paxton. They did. And they, they beat sure the did. Mets. They beat the Mets to do it. The, the... Go Mets, baby. Love the Mets. <laughs> Which I it is was Just hilarious. real quick. Sorry. It is yeah hilarious is a good word for it it's almost like unfathomable how much the Mets have been like involved in the Mariners like just organization over the last two or three years like every single thing that the Mariners do in an offseason there's usually like a footnote about the Mets or it's like a straight up trade with the Mets it's so crazy to me how much like the Mets being a faraway National League team have influenced the Seattle Mariners yeah it's not even I mean I know everyone automatically thinks of Jared Kelnick and Mets fans are so not over that every single thing that's posted about him, my god people move on 
But also, uh, like Chris Flexen, the last team he played for was the Mets. And uh, Mets fans are also extremely online. See, I think Mets fans are kind of annoying. Um, yeah, I I didn't bring them up during our conversation earlier because I kind of agree. But some of them are funny. Like it's there's like that with every yes, fan base, especially sure, of like a sure. big market team. Some of them like embrace the like our team is weird lol, and some team some of them are just like yelling into the void yes. kind of thing. They're definitely less overall annoying and toxic than Yankees fans, for example, who oh yeah are definitely. just consistently trying to trade for Marco Gonzalez. <laughs> Like, and trying to trade like trash for him. Like, no, well, Joe Joe works. Doyle shared an email he got from us where the whole email <laughs> just said Luke Voigt for Marco Gonzalez. That was the whole email, was, like as if Joe, as if Joe is the general manager. <laughs> or like they're playing, uh, I don't know, fantasy baseball together or something. I don't. It was yeah. it was weird. That was we get some weird emails. That's a that's one of the weirder ones for sure devoid of any context uh yeah that's a fun little tiny micro part of baseball twitter every team deciding they get marco gonzalez like all right i guess he's been pretty good so now he's on the twins now he's on (laughs) the cardinals whatever if you every team thinks they have him yes if you want to just have a laugh like just twitter search marco gonzalez trade and see what fans of other teams think they can get for marco gonzalez or think that their team could give up for marco gonzalez because it is generally just hilarious and you know an overall and this there are national baseball writers too who will insist on putting him in trade packages because they are obviously like not listening to the very many quotes that come out of the Mariners front office where they uh you know talk about how Marco is the team leader and you know they've built an entire marketing arm around him but Anyway, uh, yes, Mets fans are a little a little damaged, which I can understand, and so I extend them a fair amount of sympathy. Um, but yeah, they were all like, Mets legend Chris Flexen. <laughs> Why? Mets Why? legend Rafael Montero, too. He <laughs> I guess was so, prospect. yeah. Yes, yeah, so I mean, really, they have all... Um, to me, I feel like, though, that says more about the Mets and their player development or lack thereof. Um, there are definitely teams that DePoto loves to poach from, uh, and the Mets have been one of the biggest ones in recent years. I'm thinking Ashton Goodeau, uh, Chase and Bradford, not all of these guys stuck with the team, obviously, but, uh, they pretty clearly identified something that they thought was missing in the Mets pitching development and have just been exploiting that for a long time. I was really hoping we might wind up with Steven Matt somehow, but alas. Mm. Shout out to Chase and Bradford, though, while we're on the subject. One of the few active Mariners to ever acknowledge the Lookout Landing podcast. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> we were we were doing an off-season preview, and we had done it like by position group members. We did like the the hitters and then we did the pitchers and then we did the relievers and on the reliever one the like i think it was the sub headline on the on the post was like a lot of these guys are just happy to be here or something i said something oh yes like, i remember that fl- something flippantly about like oh we're just happy to be here because it was like a no-name bullpen and then jason bradford found it and responded to us he's like i'm great at just being happy to be here yeah. which was like i couldn't tell if he was joking or mad at us me neither but it was very funny yeah he's pretty online he's a free agent right now and he's been actively looking for a, a job so i hope somebody will give him 
a shot. He's a TJ guy too, I think. But uh, you know, he was pretty. He was pretty decent for us on and off. Um, yeah. So oh, absolutely. Somebody, somebody should give him some kind of a job. But yeah, yes. so many, so many Mets that have made their way through this organization, specifically pitcher Mets. But yeah. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, all right, let's talk about James Paxton. Yes. The signing that seems I to have united. I could not think of a segue. Sorry. Yeah, the kind of the opposite of the Giles thing. This one seems to have united Mariners Twitter. The only thing I could think of that would be more popular is getting Taiwan Walker back, which could probably still happen. Who knows? No, I don't know if they're just waiting. Because Taiwan Walker signed with the. Oh, no. Oh, did you miss this? I missed this. Tell me live on air. I, this is did another I... another live no way. Uh, reaction. No, yeah, I missed it. No way. I, I, I didn't dream this, did I? I, I don't know. What team is he on? Tell me right now. <laughs> um. Wait. I, I have to. I have to double check. I guess he's still. I guess he's still a free agent. I guess he's still a free agent. I thought he had a deal. Oh, it's our friends. No way. <laughs> yes. Are you fucking kidding me? No. It's the New York Mets, everyone. It's the Mets, baby. Uh, I guess uh, it doesn't look like it's official, but no. Uh, one hour ago, CBS Sports said rumors Mets have interest in Taiwan Walker. Yeah, I think that 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 all broke. I think it was maybe my birthday, and I was only paying slight attention. But yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. He Ty is their is main target, a... which means he will be a Mariner. All right, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see Taiwan and Paxton reunited because they are really good buddies have you ever seen that gif i made of paxton was pitching great and ty was so excited for him and he came over to him in the dugout and like hugged him really hard from behind and paxton just stands there like stiff as a board like visually uncomfortable uh and taiwan will not like he keeps bouncing off of him like a little brother like he will not leave him alone pax is trying to have a conversation with the pitching coach at the time, which I think was Mel Stottlemyer. And uh, eventually they have to like shoe pack, shoe tie away like a little puppy or something. It's so cute. I, will, I do remember I that. I will send it to you. Yeah. So we There's, I don't think it. I've ever seen a more stoic, like on field demeanor as James Paxton. No, a lot, I mean, a lot of it looks like sadness, but I think that's just his face, you know? Which is so funny. It is because, very funny to see that dynamic. Yes. Like that give and take between Pax being just like absolutely straight faced all the time, deadpan and Taiwan, like so effervescent and bubble. And they're good friends. They're like friends in real life too. They hang out. 
uh, they get together whenever they're in the same city, go out to dinner, stuff like that. So, yeah. And shout out Mel Stoudemire. I hope you're pulling fish out of a river somewhere. Believe, that seems to be all yeah, he does. Yeah, I, b- I believe that is what he's doing. Which, <laughs> you know, it's that sweet retired life. To each their own, baby. But um, James Paxton being back is, I think, a great baseball move and like strategically for the Mariners like PR spin a great way to like end the offseason you know because they knew people were very upset they knew they needed to like conjure up some goodwill especially to end the offseason like I don't think they're going to do anything big anymore I mean spring training is literally starting like as we speak um it might be like another non-roster invite or something but to end it with Paxton as like a reunion on a one-year like peanuts deal I mean it's like what was it 10 million like Totally reasonable for James Paxton, enough to outbid the Mets also. Yes, which let's not forget about that. It's like eight and a half, and then there are um, okay, there are escalators that are. <laughs> it was so funny to see this tweeted out by like Heyman and Rosenthal and Passan and all them that the they were makeable goals or reachable goals and i was like well i hope they're reachable goals why would you put insurmountable goals into a player's yeah. contract like, we'll give you 20 million dollars if you strike out 300 hitters <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> if you strike out mike trout 10 times you get 100 million dollars oh, like what that could work he he owns mike trout that's he, another thing uh, i love about james paxton that was i was at that game i was at that game with staff writer tim actually that was the first time i'd ever really hung out with tim and it was, we watched it from a sunny spot in like the 300 level, and it was just absolutely delightful. So, what a, what a day. What a day that was. I think it was Trout. This is a long time ago. Absolutely do not fact check me. I believe Trout <laughs> had some quote about how, like, facing James Paxton, the ball looked like it's coming off a mountain. Some <laughs> Angels hitter used, used that term, mountain, to describe, like, his arm angle. Which I think is lovely and accurate. Like, I could not imagine facing James Pat, especially if you've never seen him before. I think that quote was from like 2014, 15, where he was still kind of a mystery. And then you just see this like giant Canadian guy throwing way right. over the top. Like, I love it. I could not be more excited about this move, um, to be quite honest. I think it's, it's like pretty much a lose lose. I mean, no, sorry, no, sorry, a no lose situation. Yeah. <laughs> a win win. Win win, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, brain does not work. Because, um, yeah, there's like James Paxton, if he pitches well enough, you would think either some team will sign him to a big deal, which like, you know, I'm very pro player. Get your money, James. Or the Mariners will just be that team. But like, hey, stick around. Like now yeah. you get to be here when we're actually going for the playoffs. So like if he is bad, obviously that's like a bummer. But at least we get the Maple Grove, hopefully with fans. Who knows what will happen there. But we get to see James Paxton pitch in seattle again where he seems to genuinely love it um i know you're a big katie joe head uh, uh, we'll get yes. her back in our lives back in the back in the northwest although she's been here the whole time question mark what's the deal there she, you are the expert on katie <laughs> she joe. she is like a salon or a spot at a salon in bellevue and i know that they do have a house here that i guess they never gave up when they uh I don't think that they settled in New York. I, I think that was like apartment living. So I think the plan was always to, it's sort of similar to like Justin Britt has like a condo here still. I think if you've been in Seattle for a certain amount of time and hey, you have the money for real estate, <laughs> you, you snatch that up and you don't let it go. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I didn't make all that much of it. I just figured that she was doing like her professional thing. And, um, I didn't realize that there was any kind of connection between that and him maybe coming back, but I'm sure that probably factored into it as well. You know, you have a life and you work here and, uh, you know, your family's on this side. Um, I also just think like for him getting out of New York and getting out of that media spotlight, like he is not Mr. Media Spotlight and no, 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 <laughs> no. He's like the opposite of that. And he is an intense and a fiery and a competitive guy, but like uh I just think that I couldn't think of much worse of a matchup for him than him because when it's going good, it was so so good. And obviously the highlight of Paxton's tenure as a Yankee was uh, in 2019, the playoffs. I think it was game five. He just had an absolutely dominant performance. I was so proud of him. Uh, it hurt my heart a little, but also I was I was very proud of him. And he was fired up and the crowd loved him. And a lot of the nice Yankee fans, like when he, you know, posted about how he was leaving and thank you, New York, and all that, because uh, he's a classy guy, that James. Yeah. Sure is they responded very nicely and all of them brought up that that moment so that was really cool to see um but you know when it's going bad it's just bad you're on the you're on the back of the new york post with one of those god-awful pun headlines and um it's just that that hurt my heart worse to see so i'm glad he's going to be coming back to some some place where the media landscape is a little bit friendlier and you know, if he rebuilds his value and is able to secure a big contract, I don't think the Mariners will be that team to give it to him just because of the pitching that they have coming up. I kind of wish they would because you can never have too much pitching. And if you have a James Paxton, like, why don't you just... But, you know, if he commands, like, a huge contract, I, I don't think there's a... I don't think that a reunion is super likely. I am very curious about how he will be because obviously he's just had injury 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 uh i don't think it's unfair to call him an injury prone picture pitcher he's he's struggled with them so i'm curious after the long layoff and the what was his what was his deal he had so many deals no but uh, i mean a couple of them was it a back i can't remember now I should have looked this up. That earlier. seems right. Didn't he have like a neck thing too? He had, there was a shoulder. There was the time he got hit by the ball on his forearm. I can't remember all of them either. I'm just kind of stream of consciousness listing them off. I don't know though, like what the like structural ones are though. Cause those are obviously the scarier ones. I think that might've been a shoulder um, where he had something going on, like actually with a joint or a ligament or whatever. It was back. It was, yeah. So back stuff worries me. The most recent one was a back injury and he was out three to four months with surgery in 2020. Okay. So thank you for confirming. Yeah. That was the thing that, that <laughs> knocked him down most recently. Um, mm, I don't like back injuries. They are notoriously difficult to heal from and a lot of times they're kind of never right. You just have to pitch through a certain amount of pain. So that I don't like. Um, and I have some questions about how effective he's going to be. Are they going to tweak his mechanics any? Like what is going to, what that's good. I think, I think that 
despite his previous performance and despite everything we know about James Paxton, you know, the big fastball, the hammer curve, love the curve. Um, I, I feel like he's a big question mark. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like we, at this point, I think Mariner fans are intimately familiar with James Paxton and like the things he can do well, the things he struggles with, which really is mostly, Injuries, and then I guess walks, if you want to talk like baseball stuff. I'm looking at his B-Ref page right now. I forgot that in 2017, he led the league in wild pitches with 15 of those bad boys, which is pretty funny. And then also in that playoff game you were talking about with the Yankees, uh, he went eight and a third innings, 12 strikeouts, but guess what? Did have six walks, which is crazy. That's a lot of walks. Um, So like, you know, he has has his shortcomings, like you said, but it's hard for me to like, look at this deal in any other way than like, fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy to me that there's another differing opinion out there. Oh, I'm looking at the back injury and it was a periodiscal cyst. So cyst, cyst makes me less. It's a rare type of cyst. Of course, James Paxton would get a rare type of cyst. Um, But that kind of makes me feel a little less. If it was something that could be excised easily and just, is gone now, then maybe that prognosis is a little more rosy than like, uh, you know, the really scary kind of back stuff where it is like more structural or something that accrues over time or the extremely dreaded, uh, thing that Chris Archer had that I cannot think of right now. Thoracic Thoracic outlet syndrome. Yes. It sounds so bad. It is thoracic. I did some reading about it when I wrote up Chris Archer as a potential off season target. And I would have really liked to have Chris Archer. Um, but it is, I mean, it's a scare. That's a really scary injury. Um, and that comes a lot of times from issues in the spine. So, it's an accrual injury that is a repetitive use injury. And this thing that Paxton had didn't sound like that. So, I mean, there's, you know, I'll give it, I would give it honestly a 50, 50 shot. Like I have no feeling about it one way or the other. Apparently he was super impressive at his workout when he threw for people. Uh, so much so that the Mariners worried they weren't going to get him, but is he going to be able to maintain that over the demands of a season, especially after not pitching for so long? I think he's going to be really well served by the six-man rotation. So we'll see. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm now. Now I'm just laughing at like the image of like a Mariner scout at that session and a Mets scout, and them seeing <laughs> completely different things. Like the Mariners were clearly like, "Oh God!" Like they're gonna every team is gonna throw money at him, and the Mets are like, "Nope, <laughs> we will not go higher than six seven million, million or yeah. whatever." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was. I, I thought kind of chump change. I still don't think eight yeah. is all that much, but uh, maybe that was higher than other teams were willing to go. My guess is probably not. And a, and I think there was a certain degree of security in coming back to a place that he knows well, a team he knows. And, um, you know, I mean, you can say whatever you will about the Maple Grove, but if I had a personal fan base set up for me, that was supporting me and cheering for me no matter what after I'd been in the worst media landscape in the country for the past two years and suffered through injuries and yeah I would be (laughs) I can't imagine that that didn't play a role in him and he even like especially shouted out the Maple Grove in his uh in his tweet announcing he was coming back to Seattle so yeah 
And by the way, I will say whatever I want about the Maple Grove. <laughs> They're delightful. I yes. love the Maple Grove. Yeah, no, actually, the only thing to say about the Maple Grove is that it is fantastic. It is organic. It is uh, completely homegrown. It's a marketer's dream. Um, and it it is absolutely like cheer for the team you want to cheer for however you want to cheer for them. That is what fandom, that is quite literally what fandom is. There is no conversation to be had about uh, needing to earn it or like this is not deserved or anything. That's garbage. That is garbage, clickbait, talk radio, hot got garbage and should be tossed in the garbage. Did I say garbage enough? Garbage. You did. You okay, did. You did thanks. say garbage a okay, lot. Good. If you'd like to learn more about the Maple <laughs> Grove, check out a past episode of the Lookout Landing podcast in which I spoke to Hillary Kirby, one of the co-founders of the Maple Grove, about how it all came together. How about that? Tell you that for free right now. And Boom. one more thing about James Paxton. Uh, Mike Trout is 5'428 <laughs> with 11 strikeouts. <laughs> no home runs, not a single RBI oh, to me. Oh, we love it. We love to see it. We do. Okay, let's uh, let's go to our listener questions yes. to end this. Um, we talked a, a lot about Paxton and Giles. That was kind of the news peg for this episode, and some fans came with some creative questions. Um, I like this one from our guy Brian, at a player to be named later. Uh, the M's are now as lefty-heavy as you can get in a starting rotation. Is that a concern, or are their profiles so different that it doesn't matter? Um, that's a good question. I think that's definitely something that the Mariners themselves will be asked about. I'm going to be intrigued to see if that comes up at spring training, uh, if Jerry Depoto has commented on that, or maybe he already has. I don't know. But I don't feel like that can be a concern. It's definitely, like, weird. It's unusual. But I don't think that that's, like, a, like a design flaw. You know what I mean? I think that just sort of happened, yeah. and the Mariners clearly are okay with it. I don't think you can, like, spin it in a way where it's like, oh, my God, like, this team – is coming to town for three games against the Mariners and they have a great lineup against lefties, like maybe, but I don't think that like Brian mentioned in his question, I think that the the arms are so different, like facing Marco and then Paxton and then Kikuchi, like that's three completely different pitchers. And so Sheffield. I think should be fine. I mean, those are four different, right. completely different pitchers. I would say like yeah, Sheffield's going to throw... attack you with a slider. Kikuchi, I don't even think we know what Kikuchi is going to come out being yet completely. I don't think he knows. And that's also part of the problem. Concerning. I mean, this is a, for more on this, go read Kikuchi's 40 and 40, but uh, it's a, it's a make or break year for him, at least as far as his contract is considered. And we did see some improvement last year. So I'm really hoping to continue to see that build, but Yes, uh, Sheffield is very different from a command control lefty, which is Marco Gonzalez, is different from a power lefty, which is James Paxton. These are all different height guys as well. We know Sheffield is a short king. Uh, Paxton is our big maple. So it's coming at you from Paxton has that high overhand slot. Uh, Sheffield is a little lower. Um, Kikuchi almost has like a three-quarter slot, I think. I'd have to go look at that. But anyway, lots of different sizes of people, lots of different arm slots coming at you, and lots of different stuff. So I think it's mixed up enough that the righty-lefty thing isn't going to matter so much. Yeah, and uh, your boy Nick Margovich. <laughs> Nick Margovichus. I just needed... Mr. Magorium's Wonder Emporium. I just <laughs> needed to go 
to the word gym and lift that particular name a couple of times. I've got it now. Best shape of my speaking life, Nick <laughs> Margavichus. Incredible. Great job. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you. We have a question from Brady Tyler Harris about Taiwan, the chances of snagging him. As we mentioned up top, the Mets are interested. So, like, I don't know what that means. The Mets have been interested in every single eligible free agent this offseason. Yes. The Mets have been interested in or just straight up signed him. There was some tweet about, like, I think it's like double digit people the Mets have signed this offseason. It blew my mind to see it all laid out in per like in one uh, one tweet like that. Mm -hmm. But um, then he says potential to trade either him or Paxton at deadline, which I had not thought about. If if the Mariners are out of it and Paxton had been pitching well, I guess you could yeah. trade him, like literally do exactly what they did with Taiwan last year and just see what you can get. It's always better to get a player back than let him just walk. Absolutely. Obviously. For sure. So, I mean, I guess that is to answer Brady's question. Like, yes, that is a possibility. And honestly, the Mariners would be stupid not to pursue that if they were like super far out of the race which i think most of us probably think they will be but if not super far out like unrealistic path yeah that is certainly how they're projected to um that is certainly what all the projections say is that the mariners will be super far out of it i don't think they're going to be super i i have talked myself into <laughs> this is always what happens uh i always talk myself into thinking the team is going to be better than it actually is but this year with the Paxton signing I, I really have started to feel like some kernels of hope blossom but that being yeah. said oh, if yeah. Paxton is a good trade ship and can bring back something I mean they're they're gonna listen on everyone obviously they always do but if he can really bring back a prospect to kind of bolster that next wave because we're gonna see some graduations from you know Logan Gilbert's gonna graduate uh, Evan White already has, Kyle Lewis already has, Jared Kelnick's going to graduate. You know, if we could have somebody who slots into that next wave so that we get some guys coming up in the second half of 2022-23, like, I, I, I could definitely see them pulling the trigger on that. Yeah, you know what? It's so obvious now. I can see the headline, July, <laughs> oh, no. July 31st, 2021, James Paxton traded to the New York Mets. <laughs> the Mets. I thought you were going to say the Yankees. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. I think the Mets, you know, they didn't want to pay for him, but they will gladly give up a prospector three, yeah. as we have seen as before. As we have seen before. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that, that I don't know what's going to happen in that National League East. It's It's a... That one's a that one's a inscrutable to me, but I I mean other that's, than the yeah, Braves, that's always the circus division of Major League it's Baseball. It's gonna be just at any given point. I mean, there's so much weird. Yeah, like what are the Marlins doing? Like the Marlins were sort of in it last year. I mean the it's I that's the division I think I have the toughest time predicting yeah. for sure. Yeah, the Marlins technically won a playoff series yeah. last year. <laughs> it was one of the little short three gamers, but like they won. Yeah. Can't take that away from them. Uh, and they've got some interesting prospects coming up. So I, I don't know, some intrigue in that in that NL East. I thought you were going to say the Yankees, though, uh, which would be hilarious, but also be very. That mean. would also be very fun. That would be very mean yeah. to James Paxton. I think. I don't know. Maybe he wants to go. Back. Maybe he would want to go back and you know, set that right. And uh, I would be forced to 
I doubt it. Yeah, I really don't think he wants any part of the Yankees. <laughs> Maybe he again. doesn't. That's that's fair. Uh, I saw some tapes. Have to shave his beard off. Just just uh, to I don't want to say to put a bow on this because it's not really putting a bow on this, but uh, I did see some takes that were uh, the the Mariners fleeced the Yankees in the James Paxton trade, uh, pointing out that we essentially got Justice Sheffield for free. Now, well. No, that's not exactly how that works. Um, could you say the Mariners won the trade? Yes, I think. I mean, you still don't know exactly what Sheffield is going to be. I think probably he's going to be a pretty steady back of the rotation arm. Um, now that he's really like settled into who he is, I, I really like the trajectory that he's on. Um and then obviously you also got Tom Thompson Williams and Eric Swanson out of that deal, um, which neither of which are super impressive so far. But uh, you could even just look at the Sheffield Paxton thing and, and call it a win for the Mariners. But I mean, Paxton had that. Uh, Paxton did what he was supposed to do over there, kind of. I mean, he had that game five performance. Uh, and. We haven't totally seen justice yet, but I would, I would, I would not call it a fleecing. I would say that the Mariners are on their way to potentially, probably winning that trade. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's end. We have two questions that aren't about Paxton or Giles, uh, which we can address because we are very nuanced and varied <laughs> and contain multitudes and all that. Uh, this one from Goodwill Stunting, incredible. Nice. Uh, at Evan at Evan James Audio. Rank the defense. We got a defense Ooh. question of Lewis, Kalnick, Julio, and Trammell, and who eventually winds up where. Evan says they all kind of strike me as right fielders. Uh, this is an interesting question because I don't know a lot about prospect defense. The only one we've seen at the major league level, obviously, is Lewis, who played a pretty solid center field last yeah. year. But correct me if I'm wrong, Kate, Kalnick does project as a center fielder, right? He fancies himself <laughs> as a Jim Edmonds, Steve Finley type. Yes, absolutely. Kelnick thinks he is a center fielder, and that is probably the best fit for him. He's fast. I mean, he's rangy. He's not super tall, so you're not going to get those awesome like catches at the wall that Kalu has. So I think you keep running Kalu out in center. I don't think Kyle Lewis is a right fielder. I mean, he... He looked to me really good out there. So, um, yeah, I agree. Just, and Julio, I think, is the more natural fit for Julio right field. Julio is definitely a right fielder. So massive, Def- and yeah. he has the arm to he's make that throw to third. He's got a great arm. So Julio is definitely a right fielder. Kelnick, I would say, is maybe a center fielder sub, but I kind of think of him in left field, um, just because Julio will be right field. But you can move Kelnick all over honestly, and, and Kelnick will play a decent center field. The recent scouting take on him is that he's gotten too big and too muscly and cannot... Which, hold on, time out. We have, we have seen that from his videos. <laughs> is, all of the videos are just him working out yes, maniacally. He is, bi- he is big and muscly, and he is a maxed out frame, but he is still fast. Like, he's... He's still fast, and he is smart, and he's adaptable. Like, I definitely think the defensive side of his game is the one where he has the most steps forward he can take. Um, but that's only because his offensive ceiling is so high, only because he's so good at the plate. Like, 
that's the only thing. It's kind of like saying, like, the weakness of my trout is his defense, right? Like, you're, you're picking yeah. some nits on that point. Um, the, but the scout buzz, and I don't know where this came from, but I was reading this in the Top 100 Prospects article on Fangraphs, is Kelnick has maxed out his size and projects as possibly a first base DH type. And I want to be in the room where somebody, where whatever scouts think that, have to say that to Jared Kelnick's face. Like, I want them to look him in the face and say, we see you as a first base DH. And then I want to see what remains of that scout's face. No, I'm... What what a way to motivate him to go out and get even better at his craft in defensively. Then that is absolutely thank you to these anonymous scouts for providing Jared Kelnick with something he will put up on his locker and stare at every day and um, absolutely use to drive his game forward. So long winded answer, but yeah. I think. Kyle Lewis stays out there until he tells you he can't stay out there anymore. Kelnick subs in slash can take over those duties if, you know, I, I mean, I don't see Kyle Lewis losing a ton of foot speed over the next couple of years. He's, he's kind of is what he is right now. He's not getting any bigger or stronger. He's, he's physically maxed out. So what he does in the field is, is what he is. Um, Julio and Wright. And was there somebody else we had to, slot in there well Tremel Tremel was the other Tremel, yeah who, so Tremel slots in as a DH maybe Tremel is just hard for me because I haven't seen him play much so I I mean he's athletic he's speedy uh, he's fine defensively I don't I've never seen anything that contradicts that and is probably above average but I, I honestly Tremel is hard for me to evaluate just because I have not personally seen him play. I'm only relying on what other people say, and that is not, um, I don't like to give opinions that are only based on what other people say. So, Yeah, good call. Good question, too. Very Thank good you. Question. Good will stunting. Uh, let's end with this one, another one that's very tailored to us. This is from Max at MXWL18. What quad A type player do you see yourself getting overly invested in this season? And then Max says, personally, I am all in on the ham swaggerty. Ham swaggerty. Oh. Just a really, a, a tweet after Kate's heart. Really. <laughs> it, it really is. I love him. Uh, that would probably be my pick. I guess we can't pick Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore is not a quad A type anymore. Dylan Moore is not a quad A. Yeah, exactly. He is. He's. He's here. Yeah, he's, he's here, and he's, he's perfect. here, and he's perfect. He is perfect. Uh, he absolutely would have been my pick for that last year, though, which is just funny. Like, uh, you know, it's fun. It's funny how a player can blossom. And I'm most thankful to Dylan Moore for easing the sting of Chris Taylor. <laughs> that oh, ate God. at me for a long time. So, uh, thank you, Dylan Moore, for just being fantastic yeah. in every way. Um, you know who I like for this? Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out. Sorry if this offends. If he's not maybe a quad A player in everyone's eye, I'm gonna say Luis Torrens. I really like him. Oh. I just like watching him play. I think he's got an interesting profile. I don't think he's the catcher of the future. Obviously, I think that's what everyone knows. Cal Raleigh is. I don't think he's gonna be good enough to supplant Tom Murphy unless Murphy just completely forgot how to hit during his rehab. But I like Luis Torrens. I have no reason not to like him. 
And I think, I don't know, when I watch him hit, this is like total old school scout. He looks hitterish. <laughs> he you know looks what I mean? Like every time he's up there, he I'm like, yeah, this guy, he's got a great setup. He looks calm at yeah. the plate. He knows what he's doing. I didn't see him ever like look foolish at the plate last year. So he's my guy. I mean, I know he's like literally a backup catcher who might not even make the big league roster right out of camp. Oh, I think I he's think my guy. Will. I'm going to, I think it's pretty, it's pretty clearly going to be Murphy Terenz. The question is how much of a timeshare is it between the two of them? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I was still, I was trying to think of like, who's the other catcher. And then I realized I was thinking of Austin Nola, oh, who was traded yes. for Terenz. <laughs> RIP Austin Nola. We loved him. Um, we did. Of, still yeah, cannot another, believe how like, much we got for him. Another quad a guy. I mean, he's, Austin Nola is like, uh, you know, popping up in fantasy draft chats for like a solid catcher option. Like, again, talk about just taking a quad a guy and getting a ton out of it. I mean, it's so I love those kinds of stories. I'm I will always root for Austin Nola. Um, yeah, I think Terenz, just it, sorry, just uh, from an intrigue standpoint, I'm I'm excited to see the. Terenz, France, Taylor Trammell trio yeah. as like what did they learn in the Padres system? You know, like what what was their development like? How does it look when they get here? Yeah. Like what can they add to it? All that stuff. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Terenz, I think, especially is interesting because he posted some crazy loud exit ve- velocities. Uh he just absolutely hit the ball hard and had some really, really good hits too. So and he's still young. He's like the same age as Cal Raleigh. So um, that part is is intriguing as well. Um, I think Terenz is is you could maybe consider him quad A right now. Kind of, I I wouldn't put him in the same class as like a a Ham Swaggerty. Um, but maybe he's like, yeah, I w- I wouldn't put him in that in that same class. But I yeah. think he's, it does seem he's like we have fringy. less. We have less quad A players than in the past, you know? Like, that's a, that's a good sign. I'm trying to think, like, Tim Lopes is, is yeah. gone, right? He's Is he on another team, yes. or is he yeah, still yeah. a free he agent? he went to the Reds? Somewhere in Let's the middle out. of the country. Tim Lopes is on. Wait for it. The, the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers. Yeah. Somewhere in the middle of the country, like I said. Yeah, the Brewers love ex-Mariners, man. They've got Gamble, Narvaez. No, wait. We got Narvaez from them. Right? Or No. No, we sent, wrong, yep. no he's, we got him from the White That's Sox. Right. Yeah, he's on the Brewers Speaking now. Speaking of teams yeah. that they love to poach from, uh, love some former White Sox products as well. Uh, okay. Quad A guy, quad A guy, a true quad A guy. I think you're right, though. Like, we don't have as many uh, fringy, fringy guys. I will say just personally, and people do not like him because uh, he's taking up Jared Kelnick's spot, but I love Jose Marmolejos. I love him as a person. He showed up for his baseball bash, fan fest, whatever virtual thing. Uh, in full uniform and he was the only one who did and yeah. you know kitted up head to toe in Mariners yeah game. had the had the jersey had the hat and you know he really appreciates being here and I love him for that I don't know if I would pick him as like a, a breakout player but I love him as a person uh, I think it's probably mean to call Ty France a quad a player but that is what he was literally with the Padres like more because he was blocked but he was that guy who was just absolutely destroying 
triple uh, a like just destroying the formerly known as the pacific coast league r.i.p um so yeah it was uh, i i don't think he counts either i think i have to go to pitchers to do this and maybe i'll go with matt mcgill who had tj and is apparently like kind of He's helping Andres Munoz through his TJ recovery, which I think is very sweet. Um, McGill, when he was healthy, showed some good stuff. And I don't know if he's like a closer, which he was pushed into that role just because the Mariners were so, so bad. The bullpen was so bad um, in 2019. But so I don't think he's a closer, but I do think he's like a good, solid bullpen depth piece and... You know, when you're talking quad A, I, I think that's that's about as exciting as it is, as it's going to get. But if you're looking for, like, who who is the player who's going to be the next Dylan Moore, Austin Nola, I, I like Sam Haggerty as a pick. Yeah, he's. I mean, I haven't spent a lot of mental power thinking about <laughs> Sam Haggerty, but seems like a cool guy. Sam Haggerty, if you're listening, come on the Lookout Landing podcast. <laughs> that's, what we, that's, um, that's what the offseason is for. It's so we do not have to think about these things. But, you know, we're we back, baby. We back. Yeah. Today, actually, the 17th is the day that pitchers and catchers reported. So we we are ushering in this new season with content for all to hear. And we, we love you for listening for it, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, I like, it's weird to me that this happened so quickly. I know that like everything that people say about the pandemic is framed in like, what is time? Time doesn't exist. <laughs> like it's become very stale, but like, I was truly blindsided by how quickly baseball got here again. I feel like I was a little ahead of you guys because, um, I have to do the schedule and think about the 40 and forties and think about like the ALS threat assessment and like planning all that stuff out. So I feel like I was kind of jumping up and down on January 2nd or whatever, being like, guys, guys, baseball's coming, baseball's coming. Uh, and no one was listening to me. But now it does feel like every day we get closer to the season, more um, momentum gathers and people are talking about baseball and football ended. And that is always, I think, the biggest thing to like really kick drive the kick the baseball season anticipation into overdrive is is getting getting yeah. rid of football and not having to look at tom brady's face for like another five months which is my other than the baseball my other favorite thing about this time of year i think the problem for me too and this has been uh even before the pandemic just because how baseball is is acting like the off season being so slow and like players not being signed when spring training start that doesn't doesn't help me to like make it feel like baseball season, you know, like whatever that off season was when spring training started and Machado and Harper were still unsigned. I was like, this is weird. And now that's just continued. And it doesn't make, it doesn't make things feel as special when it's like, Oh, you know, this is, it makes the off season feel incomplete, I guess, when good players are still unsigned. So sign good players, GMs. If yeah, you're listening. I absolutely agree. It's like, it feels like you can't do your fantasy baseball drafts or you can't like really start, I know it drives projection makers wild because they all want to get their projections out the door, especially the ones that yeah. do like really heavy duty math, like 
Pecota. Even just like scribbling down like lineups. Like when I'm like, oh, who's on the, you know, right. who's on the Brewers now? And I like try to write it down. And then like two days later, they sign three other guys. That's that's very annoying. right. Right. Um, so you don't want to like commit anything to stone, but it would be so much more helpful if, if everybody just, uh, you know, just sign the good players, pay the money instead of waiting around and playing like, uh, you know, that trivia murder party game on Jackbox where you have to like take the money. But if you take too much money, you die. But if you take too little money, you die. So you have to take like just the right amount of money. feels like everybody, all MLB GMs are playing trivia murder party. That's a much more professional thing that, that than what I was really? say. So yeah, we're going with Kate's with Kate's. Oh, I thought mine was pretty niche. Like let's let, let's go ahead. And it was niche. Let's, mine let's was mine was a little more vulgar. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. We're at the end of the podcast. Oh, no God. one's listening. Okay. I have to pull it up. Okay, hold on, hold on. It's referencing um a legendary tweet from the since deceased Tom Bro dude. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. I, I am not. Uh, he was a legend. Uh, Tom Bro Dude, um, describing the Major League Baseball offseason, said, Some dude has been retweeting me for months but won't follow me. Pa- Matthew, that's, that's too vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'm going to get out of here before I get myself into any more trouble. Uh, thank you for listening. FCC, Subscribe. don't find us. <laughs> No, no, FCC, please look the yeah, other leave, way on this leave one. Be uh, cool. That's what federal agencies do, right? They just generally are cool. Hey, if I've learned <laughs> anything from the past year, it's that the federal government does a great job. <laughs> so anyway, um, stay safe out there, everyone. I'm glad we all made it through the mini snowpocalypse that ravaged the Northwest. Mm. Uh, if you're outside the Northwest, I know things are still quite chilly and actually very dire, so... Stay strong out there, and uh, if it makes you feel any better, if you're one of these people, uh, college baseball starts Yay. this week. By the time this is out, I think we'll have real D1 college baseball, which is always fun. To me, that's when like things start to take shape. Like Baseball in February is always weird, but at least that's like the soft launch yes, for the rest absolutely. of the baseball world. Yeah, I'm, I care about college baseball so fervently in February and then just in decreasing amounts for the rest of the season, but... Yeah. I come the on. Entire strong country is depending. <laughs> the entire country is really depending on these like warm weather college baseball teams to like play Absolutely. games for us right now. Yes. We need this. UCLA, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. uh, please play your baseball yeah. games. Yeah, Georgia, stand up. Yeah. All right, y'all. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for the questions to everyone who asked, and um, yeah, have a good one. I'm gonna end everyone with like a goodbye, like a cordial. Goodbye. Hope you have a wonderful day. Oh, uh, oh we're going to hope this email finds you well. We're going to hope that yeah, this yeah, email yeah, yeah. finds you well, then. Okay. All right. Hey, you're, hey, you're hey, the, listen, you're the everyone. You're the podcast, so. Listen, listen, everyone. If you made it this far, I just want to say uh, warm regards <laughs> to you and yours. Why did you and... Why did you start talking like a borscht belt comedian? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, hey, whoa, hey, 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 you, you oh, made up this big far. Idea? Hey, I'm sending emails. <laughs> Wait, well, now we're Italian. What is happening? I, I do struggle with that. Every impression of <laughs> a white guy becomes, becomes Italian. Italian. <laughs> Which is great, because as we know, you cannot be racist to <laughs> no. Italians. It's not possible. Do not cut any of this. <laughs> no, I won't. Okay.
Uh, bye. bye. <laughs> they say we ain't acting right. Always try to turn our fucking color into black and white, but they'll never change them. Never understand them. Radicals my anthem. Turn my fucking ass up. So instead of critiquing a bitch and being mad as fuck, just admit not only are we talented, we're rad as fuck. Yeah.